Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Dave Shanina, the Washington Post, coming up to talk baseball and Charlie Manuel's return to Philadelphia in just a few moments. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The best in the business, that's Sunbury Motors. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Dave Sims on the Mariners Network. Two one. Oh. There's Murphy going deep to left, and that baby's way out of here. Wow. wow! The Murph gives the Mariners a seven-six lead here in the sixth. He goes back to back with Seager for the second time tonight. Uh, the great Dave Sims on the Seattle Mariners Network. Always great to hear him. And by the way, one quick note in the majors. The Yankees did beat the Orioles today 6-5, to five, but in a major upset. Just to let you know how much the Orioles have improved. The Yankees only hit one home run today. They now have 59 home runs against the Orioles in the 19 games they played this year. The Orioles kept them from hitting 60. Those finally toughened up a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Again. We're out here looking at the silver lining. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we've got some breaking news on the Philadelphia Phillies, and this according to Jim Salisbury at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Jake Arrieta has been placed on IL. Uh, There will be tests tomorrow on his elbow, as he's been dealing with those bone spurs. Uh, Arrieta says he does not expect to be back this season, and there's still no date as to when he will have surgery on the elbow. But Zach Eflin, so now the rotation's going to shift a little bit. Zach Eflin will now start over the weekend. He'll start Saturday as uh, San Diego comes to town to a uh, Citizens Bank Park. Logan Morrison is going to be called up to take Jake Arrieta's spot. All right. So there you go. And, of course, Charlie Manuel's now the hitting coach. And with that, we bring in Jay, uh, Dave Shadeen joining us from the Washington Post. Hello, Dave. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Hello, thanks for having me. All right, Charlie Manuel. Well, if you want to sit there and talk about, quote, old-time baseball, Charlie Manuel is exactly that. What did you think of this hire by the Phillies? Well, you know, I, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a smart thing to do. I mean, that doesn't mean that John Maley was, was a, a detriment as a hitting coach. It doesn't mean Charlie Manuel has any secret sauce that's going to turn around right. the Phillies hitters. But, you know, sometimes you have to make a tumultuous kind of change in the clubhouse uh, to bring about a different atmosphere and to light a spark. And, you know, they, they were unable to do that at the trade deadline uh, for the most part. 
and um, you know you run out of ways to do that. Um, and and so you make a change like this. You know, I, I mean, the the job of a hitting coach, in some ways, in many ways, it's it's not even about the X's and O's of hitting as much as it is about. Um, being a psychologist, being a friend, <laughs> being uh, the type of person who puts you know the hitters uh, reward the hitters life and their craft ahead of your own. Um, it's just being there and, and, and being available and, and having a, 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 a smart, um, positive thing to say every day, and and that's something Charlie Manuel can do. And if somebody wants to talk hitting with him, he nobody is as enthusiastic about the craft of hitting as Charlie Manuel and anybody I've come across in this game. Uh, Bryce Harper, of course, is the thirteen-year, um, three hundred thirty million dollar man. With that, of course, come expectations. Yeah. But except for one really great year he had with the Nationals, for the most part, I look at him. His numbers are his numbers. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. I, am I wrong, Dave? But this actually is who he is. This is who he's been in almost most of his career. Am I, well, am I far off? No, 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 no. I think that's a very fair question. Um, actually, you didn't phrase it as a question. <laughs> was, uh, no, I said, said it, as it as a statement. statement. It was a statement. And I, and I, I think there's still some questions about that. You know, I mean, he's still only 26. It seems like he's been around forever. It seems like he's probably in his early 30s. He's 26 years old. Um you know, I, I think that one thing Bryce has to look inward uh, in regards to is his embrace of change himself. He is the, one of the biggest feel hitters I've ever seen. In other words, he, he doesn't look at a ton of data. He doesn't look at a ton of video. He hits by feel. Uh, early on in his career when his swing was a little off, it was his dad who was his first teacher right. who, who would get him straight. Um, he doesn't do that as much anymore, but he, he operates by feel. And I, I remember asking him earlier this year because I was curious whether the Phillies were going to change him in any way because you know he, he went from an organization in Washington that was towards the bottom of analytics in the game to a team near the top in the Phillies, and was that going to have an influence on him? And he, and he told me it didn't. You know, He's still the same guy. He still operates the same way. But, you know, I wonder if there's a point where he needs to adapt somewhat as a hitter. I, I would venture to say that nobody, for a few players in baseball, have been affected adversely uh, by the shift as much as he has. Right. And, and, you know, there's things you do to combat that that have gained popularity in, in some circles in baseball. And Bryce, at some point, maybe needs to think about adapting a little bit more and changing his ways. Well, and I want to bring up something about that because – uh, you can't be too stubborn about this. I'm going to b- bring up a name that people have no idea who he is. Okay? Jack Grout. Now, who's Jack Grout? Jack Grout was Jack Nicholas's swing coach. And any time Jack thought that his swing was getting a little bit out of kilter, he'd go back and he'd, he'd have a session with Jack Grout. Well, if what, the greatest of all time, or arguably the greatest of all time, knows that he needs a swing coach, Everybody that has to swing something, a racket, a bat, or a club, needs a swing coach and needs to put aside and say, look, rebuild me here. And that's, you know, and Jack Grout did that with Jack Nicholas. Yeah, and you know, it's possible that, that Bryce needs some sort of tweak or some sort of overhaul to his swing. I mean, I do know that, you know, I mean, his, his, his strikeouts right now are, are alarming. Okay, I mean he's always been prone to some strikeouts. Even in his MVP year in Washington, you know he struck out 130 times or whatever. Uh, he, he zoomed past that already here in mid-August. Uh, 
Yeah. He's leading the league in strikeouts and not putting up the home run numbers that you would think would come along with that type of strikeout total. So, I mean, you know, he 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 does not want to be in a, in a position where he's got 12 more years on this contract and this is the player he is. Um, that's not going to end well for him in Philly, and I think he knows that. So you have to think. And look, it's really difficult to undertake midseason changes. Right. I'm not saying right. I'm not saying that tomorrow morning he should wake up and be a different hitter. And and but look, maybe this off season is a time for soul searching. Um, you know, he's got a baby on the way. Things are going to change in his in his perspective. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just you know I just wonder what this this winter might have in store from him from a, a psychological standpoint. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Really good point. Somebody brought up something to me the other day, and I hadn't really thought about it. But why? And the question was, why don't the Phillies, when they're with the clubs, the young players, talking about the younger players, don't seem to get significantly better. But then they get dealt someplace else, and then suddenly, and J.P. Crawford's a good example, seem to get better. Is that a question that needs to be asked about what they're doing in player development? Well, you know, anytime you have a, a, a data set like that, and, and you have data points like J.P. Crawford and some others, I mean, you, you, it, it's it's fair to ask that. And if you, and if you're the Phillies, and if you're smart about it, you're asking that of yourselves, and you're looking internally to see what happened there. I mean, you know, there are certain organizations that have gained a reputation for being able to turn around other teams players when yes. they get there i'm thinking of the houston astros most vividly right. in the cases of guys like ryan presley and and you know, we've seen it lately with aaron sanchez jj ruddick uh, uh yeah exactly and and you know there by that token there's there's also got to be organizations that are the opposite that that have <laughs> right. a reputation of, of of seeing guys go elsewhere i know that I, i've been around the baltimore orioles a lot and that used to happen to them all the time and jake arietta was one of the right. prime examples who didn't become a cy young guy till he left baltimore and went to chicago but you know if, if that's something that is is happening and and it's more than coincidence i think if you're the phillies you really need to examine that and find out what What's going on? The Washington Nationals, as an organization, Dave, lose mm-hmm. Bryce Harper in free agent in free agency. Their bullpen is a disaster, and yet they're the number one wild card team. So, Dave, why? Yeah, that is a phenomenal question, and I mean, you know, I mean, there was a point when Davey Martinez in in May was I feel like a, a series away from being fired. I mean, it was that bad. They were they were floundering. Uh, the bullpen was a disaster, but they weren't doing anything else well, and and they've turned it around since. And to their credit, uh, Davey Martinez has been a, a steady presence. He was never really down when things were at their worst. He's not. He hasn't been on on you know. Uh, he hasn't been high and um, and and getting too high right now when things are going well. So. Um, I give a lot of credit to him, but you know, to be honest with you, I mean, when you have a rotation that's built on Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin this year for the first time, you know, you you you're never too far from rattling off uh, a nice, you know, ten wins in twelve games or or fifteen wins in twenty games. Um, and to, on top of that, they have a what I I feel like is an MVP player in Anthony Rendon right. and. Um, so they they have the talent. There's no question about that. It was a team that was put together to win, and I think it was more a, a fact of them underachieving in April and May than overachieving right now. I think this is the level they should be at. 
How interested uh, ha- are you, Dave, by having the one trade deadline in conjunction with the wild card and the moves that you watched? What were your thoughts on the moves, or maybe in some cases the lack thereof, at the end of July? Yeah, I, you know, I think you you brought up the wild card, and I think that has a big part of it. I mean, you know, any team that is not looking at a division title and that is fighting really only for the wild card has to really think twice about mortgaging pieces of the future for a one-game coin flip type of game. Um, that even if you win it, now you're going to face you know the Dodgers who are you know a 107 win team um, in the first round. So I think we saw that to some extent with the Boston Red Sox not doing anything. Um, I think you know it's possible the the Phillies are in the same boat. You know if they if they were looking at a uh, you know a wild card, are you really going to go mortgaging the future to to try to win that wild card and and just take your chances in a one game playoff? And and um, you know it, it's a problem for baseball. I think because um, you know there's there's some super teams out there right now who are on pace for 105, 108 wins. The Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers. And then there's a, a half dozen teams that are not even trying, or they're they going to lose a hundred. And then there's this vast middle area of teams that you know are not quite good enough to win it all, probably, but are not so bad that it makes sense to unload veterans. So that's why you see a lot of stagnation at the trade deadline. Which now brings me to Houston. Uh, I know he uh, did not start last night because of hamstring tightness, Garrett Cole. But when you look at Cole, Verlander, and Greinke. What has that now done, in your opinion, to the balance of power? Well, it, it changed it. I mean, I don't think there's any question at this point that the Astros are the class of the certainly the American League, if not uh, both leagues. Um, you know, the Yankees are are an odd team in that they keep on winning despite tons and tons of injuries. Um, their rotation right now, I mean, it's slowly coming back together. You know, Tanaka has turned it around. Um, Severino's on his way back, and and you can see the makings of something there. But really, you know, they're they're a team that's built on their bullpen and their lineup at this point, and both of them have been phenomenal. And and I I do think that the Astros have an advantage over them in a seven-game series where you can start, you know, Cole, Verlander, and Greinke in in whatever order twice each, theoretically. Um, That's going to make a huge difference. But um, I, I tell you what, as, as a baseball fan, I, I relish the thought of an Astros-Yankees ALCS. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, the, uh, Gary Sanchez has hit a three-run homer. That's now 59 <laughs> home runs against the Orioles this year for the Yankees. Oh it's uncanny, and I've <sighs> seen a number of those, and it's... Uh, it's gotten to the point of absurdity, and I think you know Gary Thorne, uh, the announcer for the Orioles, his, his calls have gone pretty much viral. Um, it's just it's just absurd at this point. It's it's uh, it's not even fair. It's not even competitive. <laughs> it's it's a Glaber Torres has 13 home runs against the Orioles. Yeah, yeah, 13. Yeah. But there are guys this season that won't hit 13. Yeah, against, against everybody. Yeah, <laughs> it is amazing. It is amazing. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Okay, gentlemen, my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. Dave Shanine joining us from the Washington Post. More about that on the other side in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. You can win tickets to the Penn State Michigan game. Sun Habitat for Humanity is raffling off tickets to the October 19th game at Beaver Stadium. Two tickets for great seats, a parking pass, and a $100 Visa gift card can be yours. Raffle tickets are $30 each or $25 each for a four-pack or more. Visit sunhabitat.org. Even if you're a Michigan fan, you could win. Maybe. The Penn State versus Michigan game raffle presented by Sun Habitat for Humanity. All proceeds stay local to benefit local families. Sunhabitat.org or email sandy at sunhabitat.org. Join Sun Habitat for the event drawing on September 12th at East Snyder Park, Sealands Grove with Penn State and Buccaneers player Alan Zemitis. Need not be present to win. Great to have you with us. Uh, always good to hear the name Alan Zemitis mentioned. Wayne Sebastianelli and I were talking at practice the other day and about corner play at Penn State. And when we thought about great corner play at Penn State, Alan's name was the first one that came up. Even before David Macklin. David was a really good corner, too. But Alan Zemitis was a heck of a corner. Length. He had an interception in the end zone against Wisconsin in 2005 where he flat-out baited the quarterback for Wisconsin to throw the ball. He baited him into making the throw, and then he picked it off. Now, that's corner play. That is corner play right there. Allen, Allen was outstanding at it. All right, uh, the Yankees only get one home run today. Gary Sanchez, but it was a three-run homer. They beat Baltimore six to five. Texas uh, won today over Toronto seven to two. Top of the second, Nationals and Reds scoreless. Bottom of the second, out at Petco, and the Rays and Padres are two two. End of two, Colorado and. Arizona 2-2. Top of the sixth inning, Minnesota leads Milwaukee 5-3. And right now the Twins have a half-game lead in the division over Cleveland. We'll get to Cleveland in a moment. 
And the White Sox lead the Astros eight to five in the top of the seventh. I mean, the Astros might end up taking two out of three from. Excuse me, the White Sox might take two out of three in this series. Let's see which ace started today for Houston. Oh, it was Wade Miley. Okay. Although Miley's had a good year, three point one one ERA. One thing about Wade Miley, you know what I like about him? He didn't waste any time. Gets the ball pitches. I mentioned Cleveland and the Red Sox would be the last one. Red Sox lead at five to one in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Red Sox right now are a Santana home run away from sweeping the series. They're they're two outs away from taking two out of three. And they used everybody today. One, two, three, four, five, six. They're on their seventh pitcher of the day. Brandon Workman. A bullpen day. And Bieber started today for Cleveland. All right, half hour to go in the show today. Great to have you with us. More on Bill Cowher's comments pertaining to Antonio Brown about the me game versus the we game. You know, so when it came to the show, how I talked about the we concept, Sean. You know, you're so, always gonna have you're so always gonna have some guy, and, uh, and you're always gonna have one guy running around saying, "I won an award, me." <laughs> like, uh, okay. Does it ever concern you? I don't know if he moves to the bigger office, the other end of the building. We'll see if he adds a a leg lamp to the desk. Major award. Well, I understand he wants to expand the building to expand the office. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Best product, great sales staff. Awesome service department. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Red Sox did win today. They beat Cleveland 5-1. That means the Twins, who are leading at Milwaukee right now, have a chance to go back up by a game and a half in the American League Central. Uh, James Franklin will meet with the media after... Practice tonight. Ben Jones, steakhouse.com, will join us on the show to talk about it tomorrow. Also, we're going to have Cam Mello back from Pro Football Focus tomorrow, discussing some of the interesting items dealing with Penn State that Pro Football Focus has come up with. Very interesting items. And we'll be doing that again tomorrow. And Pro Football Focus, we're going to have that every week during the course of the season. We're going to talk yeah, with somebody. Very excited about that. It was great to hear the uh, uh, Cam's debut last week on the show. Uh, but I was out. So actually, I was out for a walk on Sunday morning. Got about a three-mile walk in. Had my 
had my uh, iPhone and my, my my earpods in and was catching up on some of the shows with the podcast last week and a great listen to uh, you and Cam on Sunday morning breaking it down. That was terrific. And we'll have Cam on a lot. He won't, I don't think it's going to be Cam every week, but most of the time it's going to be because he is the college football writer and analyzer. Yeah, you're right. They're so we'll just have- uh, numbers upon numbers upon numbers. And for those who, you know, we've talked about it on the show, but those who uh, didn't get a chance to hear it, uh, if you watch Sunday Night Football on NBC, Chris Collinsworth, uh, he that's that's his main project. Uh, Pro Football Focus, one of the you know, main people who put that together. And uh, so when you see all those stats on, on Sunday night primetime, that's where that comes from, from PFF. Absolutely. And it is... Um, it's a great deeper dive. It gets you even more football set. Uh, it does. And I, I think... I don't want anybody to ever get the impression I'm anti-analytics. I'm not. I think they are a great supplement. I think any tool that you can have, and then it's up to you as to how you use it. It's like going into the toolbox, and on a particular day, you need a Phillips head screwdriver. Another day, you're going to need a straight head screwdriver. Another day, you're going to need a wrench. Another day, you're going to need pliers. Right? Or you might need four of them at the same time. Well, on a particular, let's take the broadcast part. a particular broadcast, there might be eight different items of analytics I need that I think might make the broadcast better. There might be some days I need none. But at least I have the tool at my disposal. And that, to me, is analytics. Another really great tool to use in every sport, basketball, football, baseball. So we'll talk with Cam tomorrow. And it's going to be a great resource for us all season. Also, like if we put him on Thursdays, for example, you know, like, you know, we'll do the high school previews and we'll get great report on Sealands Grove, get a great report on Lewisburg. Then I figured out to the Shikolumi one that people want to hear from some football guys. <laughs> oh, I've just had it at my office. I've had it. <laughs> yep, Zach Showers will be back. Can't oh, wait to hear. See, yep, can't wait to hear great, from Zach. Great, yep. great hands. Yep, Zach will be back. And uh, uh, spoke to Greg Wetzel yesterday. Greg will be good to go in studio with us starting next Thursday, and of course, we'll awesome! See Great yep. to have him back. Yep, we will see both Greg and Justin, uh, Justin Michaels, uh, next Wednesday night at our fall sports yeah. party in Lewisburg. Of course, the broadcast tandem for the Green Dragons on one hundred point nine The Valley. Ironically enough, we we mentioned both Seawinds Grove and Lewisburg. They face off against each other uh, in Seawinds Grove Week One. Yes, so this is going to yeah. be an interesting dynamic. Uh, Greg was. First thing I asked Greg yesterday was, uh, how's Max Moyers uh, looking so far? He goes, and to kind of uh, steal, you know, kind of kind of imitate you a little bit. He, he looks really, really good. So, so that's, it's just going to be interesting to see the, the uh, Seals D uh, with uh, Nate Schoen and the guys uh, you know, spearheading that defense, how they're going to be able to stop Max Moyers. Uh, chance to even put up even more ridiculous numbers this year for Lewisburg. Yeah. Well, that's all coming up. I'm looking forward to seeing all those guys. 
next uh, Wednesday night. We're, we're, you know, I mean, it's a week from tonight. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, almost all of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a few words to say. Uh, everybody, just kick back. <laughs> Here he goes. <laughs> he only has a few words. You. <laughs> Some days more uh, than that. <laughs> oh no! I mean, when you hear him say those words, you know what my first thought is on on verbiage. <laughs> is it an open bar? All right. So uh... <laughs> he just forwarded me an email a little a little bit ago. Fast facts on this weekend's IndyCar ABC Supply 500 race at Pocono. I will forward it to you if you need it. Um, I already know the answer well, to that question. Hold on a second here. Let me do a couple things here so I can make sure my mailbox is full. All right. <laughs> we'll see if someone who go really, really fast and maybe eclipse the one-lap qualifying record set by Juan Pablo Montoya back in 2014 when he went 223.92 miles an hour and did a lap in just same, a little over 40 seconds. You mean the same guy that couldn't cut it in NASCAR? <laughs> That's right. He was in NASCAR for a cup of coffee. I forgot about that. I mean, do you people think I don't follow things? I never I never thought. You know how. He, he thinks he's the only guy that follows anything. Then you bring up a fact, and he gets all confused, and then starts stuttering. All right. <laughs> oh, and I bring up Will Power. That's when he really starts to stutter. Oh, man. Oh, Will. I said, your guy. That's like a, your guy, Will Power. Will Power, your guy. <laughs> All right, so what did you think about the Bill Cower comments? Look, and he does say, look, Antonio Brown's a very good receiver. But what I've, what it's interesting over the years as the me, me, me guy doesn't win championships. Antonio Brown doesn't have any Super Bowl rings. I'll tell you what, I'd love to climb into the brain of Antonio Brown to, I'm just wondering when that pivot point was, because he didn't act that way when he first got into Pittsburgh. I remember ESPN doing this huge, long-form story during a training camp in Latrobe where mm-hmm. A.B. would be up in his dorm room and he would sign any and all autographs he would receive from all across the country and around the world. And he made yep. it a point to sign every one. And I can't remember if that was his rookie season or year two, but it was obviously during the his, you know, sometime during that rookie contract. But I'm just curious at what point, and maybe our great friend of the show and Penn State grad Jerry Dulac would, would know the answer to this question, when the pivot point was when those... Me, 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 diva qualities came into play more and more on an everyday basis. Because Jerry has made it clear that uh, for a couple of years he was doing a Tuesday night show on one of the stations in Pittsburgh, and A.B. would show up at a location at a grocery store, and he was, you know, weeks would go by, he would show up later and later and later, and more people would be kind of bummed. They wouldn't get a chance to get that one-on-one time with A.B. I'm just kind of wondering when that turning point was, when things went in another direction with him. Yeah, and I don't, you know, that's that's an excellent question. I, 
I think all of us are sitting there wondering the same thing because they had a big decision to make between he and Mike Wallace, and they obviously the Steelers made the absolute correct assessment. They gave Antonio Brown the five-year contract and not Mike Wallace. And that was absolutely the right thing to do. Because he was the hard worker. He was the guy that just busted his backside to make whatever play possible for his team. And he still he still plays hard. He still he still works hard, but you now but now you're talking about a guy that now has I mean the week seventeen thing, he quit on everybody. He quit. Right. We're supposed to praise that. We're supposed to see his point of view. There, he has no point of view. He quit. He walked out. And the week before all of that went down, he had a phenomenal game in New Orleans against the Saints, and they needed that game to stay in contention going into Week 17. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Cower, what do you think about Cower's point about fantasy football? Now, look, let's people should understand he's not putting down fantasy football. He, he's explaining that players shouldn't be sitting there themselves worried about their fantasy stats. They should be worried about winning games. Fantasy stats are for you, the fantasy player. Now, you play fantasy. Well, I did. I actually play. I have not played fantasy in about twelve years. Really? Yeah, I stopped. Now, now, now does Kevin still play? I think he does. I think um, I played fantasy for about I want to say seven, eight years, something like that. So, you know, the the players that were in high demand were your Peyton Mannings, your Randy Mosses, sure. your Marshall Falks, well, especially Marshall Falk with the dual threat that he that he was with. Uh, you know, with that high-powered right. offense with the Rams. Um, I just kind of got to the point, and this was before you could, you know, have a... <laughs> I mean, this is me. When I started fantasy football, you're still buying the magazine in the grocery store in July. And you didn't have the smartphones, you didn't have the app where you could have a, you know, you could run an entire draft with uh, 10 guys using their smartphones at the same time. I mean, right. we actually all got together once a year and went to a restaurant or, you know, in... We got the conference room here at the station. We get a bunch of pizzas and you know just spend three, four hours picking players. We had a blast doing it. It's changed so much since then. I mean, now you can just do it all on your phone and have an automated draft, and not everybody has to get together. And and there's different types of leagues too. I mean, you have a league where everybody just picks players, but then you can have the real hardcore leagues where it's a dynasty league where. You know, you can keep certain amount of players year after year. You can keep maybe four or five, and and use a salary cap as well. That's when it really, really gets interesting. Again, fantasy football is great. I have no, I don't play it. I have no interest in playing it. But that doesn't mean I don't think it's really been great for the game because it has been. I just got to the point where I just took it too seriously, and it really consumed me one year where I was just watching the I'd wake up in the morning and and hit the waiver wire just to see who was available and then I checked the players that were available in our league that I could drop at and swap out and you know just to find that competitive edge and say like, man what am I doing here 
<laughs> right. No, I understand that. No, it's like anything. You can get consumed with it. But still, I think it's it's allowed, especially young people, to really be active and enjoy the game of football. It's allowed them, and I think you'll see that these are the ones that also watch games to their completion. Now, the Raiders are playing the Chargers. All right, here we are in Pennsylvania. Uh, but guess what? Uh, I'm looking at the Raiders Chargers game. I got Phillip Rivers on my fantasy team. Uh, maybe I ought to think about watching more of this game, see how it matches up with my fantasy number. For the fan, that's perfectly fine. The problem to me, and this is what Bill Cowers identifying, is when the player starts taking the fantasy thing too seriously. If you get if you get fifteen catches and lose versus four catches and winning, what's preferable? It better be the four catches and winning. Because it's all about winning and losing. It is not about your numbers. Now, it's about your numbers when it comes contract time. And for, and for that. certain players out there that you know mingle with their fans, it just makes you wonder if they you know encounter some football fans and they bring up, hey, I need you to have a big day for me on Sunday. Wink, wink. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, on my, you're on my fantasy team. I'm Derek Carr. I need you to have a big day. That's the only guy that should walk up to you, John Gruden and Derek Carr. We need you to have a big day today. Hook me it up. I need, I need 375 and four scores. Can you make right. that happen for me? It doesn't matter if Bobby in Pacific Palisades thinks you know you need a big day. Derek Carr and John Gruden need you to have a big day. <laughs> That's where it counts. The Raiders are the ones paying your salary. Bobby in Pacific Palisades is not. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, now let's go to the world of lunacy. Today, the story came out that Ohio State has filed an application to trademark the word the, which just happens to be the most commonly used word in the English language. Because they want to coin it as part of the Ohio State University. Chris Davey, I don't. I hope he didn't believe himself as he said this. Like other institutions, Ohio State works to vigorously protect the university's brand and trademarks. Really? The trademark application is for the use of the word the when it's used in conjunction with Ohio State University. Formalizing with athletics, NFL players in particular, have been trying to make happen for years. They always proudly announce, as you know, on any Sunday Night Football, Monday night, as the Ohio State University. With an emphasis on the word the. Ohio State, of course. I mean, what are you supposed to say? The Ohio State governor can't do it anymore? I have no idea. You have Ohio University. I mean, what's next? Bill Clinton wanting to trademark the word is? I don't know. All right, so. um, 
They want to trademark the word the. Now, they want to put it, obviously, on hats. They want to put it on T-shirts. They want to put it on any kind of apparel. But they want to trademark the word the. Well, okay, then. Take Miller High Life Beer, for instance. The Champagne of Beers. Are they now not allowed going to not allowed to use the word the anymore? It's the champagne of bottled beers. Oh, my bad. <laughs> we want to trademark the word the. I'm over at the trademark and patent office. I'm like going, they want to do what? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> All right, where's the stamp that says rejected on it? Boom, get out of here. The. Uh. No offense, it's not Oxford. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.